Welcome to the Configure It Done podcast. The Configure It Done podcast is a place where successful thought leaders in the SAP space come to share their leadership styles, their tips, and their unique stories on how to run successful large-scale SAP programs. Listen to the podcast to learn from their successes, their failures, their career stories, and their inspirations. This podcast is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute, who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link below. All right, welcome, Richard. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I'm really looking forward to um, having a look at your insights and um, exploring your career and your project management philosophy. But um, thanks, Jane. Yeah, no problem. And um, first of all, why don't you give us a, a bit of a background about yourself and and your story and how you got into SAP? Um, yeah, so I, I started out life in in the UK, like yourself, um, and I came over I came over to Australia in the sort of late eighties. Um, and I was working for Coopers and Librand in those days in, in a sort of internal audit role. And I guess the path of how I came into SAP was, was a little bit torturous. Um, I was doing, uh, doing a lot of work for, for Woolworths um, mm-hmm. in those days, internal audit type work. Sure. Um, and in, Woolworths was a, such a different organisation then. You, you used to go down to um, the cafeteria that they had downstairs and... You know, it was it was not unusual for me to find myself sitting next to Harry Watts, who was the managing director, and he might just come down with his tray of food and sit next to me and just start talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I actually had a relationship with this this amazing man who was the, who was the managing director. I mean, you just that, that sort of thing doesn't really happen anymore. But mm. I, I was writing an internal audit report, and, w- and there was a, a fairly standard control problem, and instead of writing like a sort of one paragraph boring um, sort of uh, re- recommendation. I wrote a sort of three-page um, functional spec, and mm-hmm. almost like a solution spec of how they should actually go about fixing the problem. And, um, and they said, well, that will never work. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a year later, they said, actually, we think it might work. And they, they said, we want you to be on the project. So I moved from that to actually working on the project, an implementation project. Um, which went really well, and then a year later, they, um, the CIO announced that um, Woolworths were going to be implementing SAP to replace their financial systems. So it was a sort of similar thing. They said, "Well, okay, let's get Richard. You know, we know him; he knows us." Um, they wanted me to come and work on on the project with them. How, so how that was see, how it happened. How did you see that back then, Richard? Did you see that as a big opportunity, or was it a, more of a, a chore, I guess, or? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I don't think I saw it as a big opportunity. I, don't, I had no idea where it would lead mm. or where it has led. Um, but I did see it as exciting. Yeah, it was something I definitely wanted to do. I didn't really want to stay where I was in the sort of work I was doing. I wanted to move into that consulting more, you know, at the coalface, actually making a change, being, being the one responsible for making the change, uh, not sort of reviewing things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Um Obviously, you've been in the, the SAP game a while. I think you mentioned there that it was in the '80s that you first first came over. What what keeps you what keeps you in the SAP um, domain? Um, well, I think I think it's 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 primarily the the challenge and the the reward. Um, the the challenge is is always there. You know, it's never it's never straightforward, and you know, you're never bored. Mm. Um, the reward is there. 
um, you know, there's been some incredible achievements. And, you know, some of those achievements just, you know, I'll, I'll live, they'll live with me for the rest of my life or throughout my life. And, and I think that is the case for a lot of people who've been on uh, SAP projects. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you get an unbelievable sense of achievement. And, you know, there is a reward, financial reward as well. That, that, that obviously helps as well. Sure, sure. So let's tap into some of those, some of those achievements. What, what would you say are your, are your greatest, greatest achievements that are going to live with you? Um, I think probably the, the, the best, the greatest project was the one I did at Corporate Express. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the scale of what we actually achieved. Um, is that now called Wink, isn't it? And it's now Wink. Staples and then, yeah, 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 it okay. went through a few loops. And yeah. it, even <laughs> when I was there, it moved from Dutch ownership into American ownership as part of Staples. And um, so, yeah, there, there, there were quite a lot of changes happening at that sort of uh, ownership level. Mm. Um, but we kind of uh, ran a, a really good program over four, four years or so. Um, and it culminated in an amazing go live here in Australia in 2011, mm. uh, where we we basically did do a big bang. Um, it it was a the, the scale of the change was was phenomenal. We had about um, 30 odd warehouses all using SAP warehouse management. Um, there were four um, man warehouses, big warehouses using the Manhattan warehouse management solution. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a, a Phenomenal scale of go live right across the whole of Australia. I think over 2,500 people um, went live all on the same day. Wow! Uh, and and yeah, I mean it was. I, I had a phenomenal team, but you know that that was that was really um, scary. And and you know yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to beat that as an achievement. Sure, sure. You you mentioned there you had a. A phenomenal team, but what what would you what would you attribute that um, success to? You mentioned it was a, obviously a successful project. You had two and a half thousand um, people that obviously went live, but yeah, what yeah. would you attribute to uh, um, that success? Uh, I think quite a few things. Um, uh, certainly, you know, we we had a, a great team of business analysts, um, good good help from the consulting partner, but I think overarching it was. Um, the, the 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 business program manager that we actually pulled um, out of the business, mm. um, he and I formed a, a, a really strong alliance, and um, his role was pivotal in terms of you know m managing the project back into the business, um, and I think ultimately we through him we got a lot of engagement with the business, um, and you know they were really on board right the way through through that whole go live process mm -hmm. um and i think one other thing was we actually got the 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 what i call the implementation strategy we got it right um and that is just unbelievably important sure sure and what what does what does right look like uh well it's there is no one right answer but you do need to spend a lot of time thinking about it when i when i'm talking about an implementation strategy i'm talking about um you know what 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 scope do you go live with? What's the scope of the project? Having a manageable scope. Um, what do you attempt to go live with first? You know, what's the sequence in which you go live with? Um, you know, what what what's you know how how do you map that out over a time frame? Um, and I think you have to have some things in there. Um, for example, you have to have what what I call a quick win. 
Um, so you, you you know you have to achieve something uh, early. You know within the at least within the first nine months of the project, if you can, mm. something tangible that demonstrates your ability to deliver. Um, if you don't have that, then I think I, I would argue your implementation strategy is already wrong. But then you start to get into how do you how do you mitigate the, the risk of the project, the business change. And you've got to really think through the different scenarios, the different ways that you can do things. Have you got an, um, have you got an example? It's a, it's a great strategy about getting a getting a quick win. Now, I suppose that buys the the business um, their confidence really in the in the project. But have you got an example of a a quick win at one of your previous previous clients? Um, yeah, uh, we. Uh, I'll, I'll use Corporate Express again. Mm-hmm. Um, we. We had a project which was really around changing the merchandising and financial system, and um, and that was the that was the main scope, and that was complex and big. Mm. So we had that project running, and but we you know we needed a quick win, and what we actually ended up doing as a quick win uh, was we we basically built a new intranet and we implemented an, an HR and payroll solution for them, mm-hmm. which doesn't you know which is a pretty big big win, uh, quick win. Mm. Um, but it, it, we we were able to do that in in about nine months, and it really just showed that we could actually deliver. Mm. You know, you, you you have to, you know, the hardest thing. My my contention is always that the hardest thing to do is to actually implement, i.e., to go live. Sure. Okay. And um, moving on, um, Richard, you're. <laughs> you've you've had a lot of insights there. But what would you say your top three imperatives are? When, when leading a program? Um, well, I, I suppose, shall I talk about my, my philosophy? Yeah, that'd be good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, di- I did a, um, uh, a speech at one of the Precision events mm. um, a few years ago, as you that, probably yeah. remember. Was, was it three or four years ago now? Uh, th- yeah, Time flies, yeah, yeah, maybe four, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was talking to Simon about you know the, the the presentation was about what's your project management philosophy, and um, and I probably hadn't really put it thought about it. The one thing I do remember is my very first project, which was which was a, a very hard project. The first question I got asked um, by the client when I started as the project manager was, "What is your project management philosophy?" and I, you know, I, I didn't have a project. I, I, you know, I, I didn't have a project management philosophy because I'd never managed a project. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't really say that as the answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think over time, you know, in you know, when I thought about it as part of that presentation, um, you know, I came up with five things. So the first one was get the implementation strategy right, which we've just talked about. Mm-hmm. The second one is what I call ensure that governance is there to help the project succeed, um, which is really important how the business is engaged, but, but you know, really being thoughtful about what you're trying to achieve with governance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the third one is having a, what I call a lean project team. Um, so you, you, it's always easier to add people to a project team than it is to take people away. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you know, we always have to be very cognizant of the company that we're working for or the business and, it, and it's their money mm. and, and you know, we have to be very prudent with that I think mm. um, 
I th the fourth one is understand and drive the people on the team. Um, you know, there's no getting away from uh, the fact as a program manager, your responsibility is to get things done um, and to set people clear, clear deliverables and accountabilities and, and, and basically drive them to achieve that. Um, so that's part of my philosophy. It doesn't necessarily make me popular, but it is, you know, it's part of the role. Um, and I think the last one that I talked about was collaboration is crucial. Mm. Um, and by that I mean, um, you know, really not letting people sit on problems and let them fester. Um, you know, really get in a room and, and share those problems and, and let's work on them together. Mm. Um, so that, that sort of collaboration concept needs to permeate the project, if you, if you can make it. Do you think... Um Obviously, with COVID last year, and a lot of companies have gone to the the flexible model, um, you know, the traditional getting everyone in a room and and not letting you know um, problems fester. Do you, do you think that leadership styles had to adapt and change when leading remotely? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I've I've delivered a couple of projects now um, in that remote mode. Um, and I think I think it probably has had to change. Yeah, mm. yeah. I don't think you could, you know, rely on the fact that everyone was just turning up and there, um, and you know there was that sort of immediacy. Mm. Um, I think you have to, you know, be a lot more deliberate about how you engage with people and how you how you bring you know how you ensure that communication happens in the in the absence of everyone being mm -hmm. being together. Um, but you know, I found that you know, for example, daily stand-ups work just as well when everyone's on teams mm. as um, you know if you're all, all in a room it's, it's amazing what you can achieve sure sure yeah I found um, like obviously when we were working remotely on, on Microsoft Teams those those people that um, are introvert and they don't normally have a voice in a wider setting they actually had an opportunity to, to speak right yeah that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah that's what I that's what I found and um, you get normally those people that are introvert they get a, you get a lot more ideas from from them as well um, and they're the ones that have the best ideas sometimes yeah 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 i mean that's 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 a key thing for you know for 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 project management pro program management is making sure those voices get heard and that comes back to that collaboration thing mm -hmm. yeah but yeah you're right i think that's that's a really interesting sort of learning if you like mm. Mm. So moving on then, Richard, to um, some of the challenges you may have faced, um, what what would you say has been your biggest challenge or, or failure, and what what did you what did you learn from it? Yeah, um, well, uh, I, I did have a pretty big, pretty big failure, to be honest. Um, it was it was in fact that first project I was just talking about. Um, uh, it was a, a a major DIY retail organization a fantastic organization extremely well run mm -hmm. very tough hard retailers um, and as I said before we I, I hadn't actually run a project before <laughs> 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 um, and um, you know this is not the project to to try and cut your teeth on this this is about one of the hardest projects there's ever been you know if you in the annals of SOP um, the scope was was too large. Um, the budget was too small. Um, you know, no one in my organisation really had had much idea about supporting me. Mm. You know, um, in in actually delivering the project. 
um, uh, you know, the, the client was 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 brutal. Um, you know, it was a very tough client. Um, I mean, they were totally engaged, but they were they were hard. Mm. Um, and um, right in the middle of it, um, uh, my wife gave birth to our third child, who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was born nine weeks premature. So <laughs> I had to deal with that. Um, so there was a whole lot of things went on, but I, you know, I can't escape from the fact that, you know, I, I, I wasn't really in, you know, I wasn't able to do the project at that time. It's some first project, Richard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it wasn't, it, it was, it was a whole lot of things that were wrong. And, and, and to be, to be really honest, I, I don't, you know, that could have finished me. I, you know, I really, you know, found that unbelievably hard to, to, to get over and, and sort of keep going. I mean, obviously, you're still here today and achieved <laughs> a hell of a lot since since then. So, what what would you say the biggest learnings from from that project was? Um, well, I think I think probably resilience um, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that go into what we've already talked about, but I think it took me a, a very long time to really absorb the lessons of that. Um, I, w- I was lucky in that quite soon afterwards I got asked to go go back to the UK and, and actually help out on another um, actually quite similar project but much better set up. Mm. So the skills I actually had um, on retail and understanding how SAP worked um, were much more came to the fore and were you know it, it sort of restored my confidence. But I think you know resilience is a is a huge thing for for all of us. Um, you know, if you can overcome something as challenging and, and really quite, quite you know, difficult mm. as that and, and still come out, you know, still, still able to move on to doing something, to do something again afterwards, you know, that, that's, a, that, that's very empowering for, for, for you. You sure, know, you sure. know that you've, you've overcome something which was about as tough as it gets. Mm. Okay. Moving the, moving the questioning on to um, some of your influences, obviously you mentioned um, you had a lot of face time with a CEO at um, Woolworths. Um, yeah, back in, yeah, back yeah. In the day. Um, is there any key mentors or influences that have stood out for you? And and if so, what did they teach you? Um, what did you learn from them? Yeah, um, I think that's a that's a good question because I don't think I've had a mentor that's stayed with me. Th- right through my career mm. um and i think that's probably something that i do regret in a way but um you know there are two people there are two sort of people i can think about one is when i was at university um in southampton the professor of of mathematics i was doing a maths degree was this amazing guy called dr frank rhodes um and he he was kind of this really eccentric genius Man, he he actually grew um, a whole range of cactus plants in his back garden in a sort of rockery, and you can imagine growing cactus plants in in England's not not you know virtually no one's ever done it. Yeah, not the best weather there. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but he he um, encouraged me to do a thesis while I was at university, and it was called the the theory of numbers, and and I've still got it at home. It's all handwritten, mm-hmm. uh, literally. Um, and it's so dense um, and theoretical, high, you know, complex maths. I, you know, I have no idea now when I look at it what it what it actually means. Mm-hmm. But, 
but he had the confidence in me to to actually that I could do that. You know, it was quite high end mm-hmm. theoretical um, maths. Um, but you know, he was kind of the the sort of um, really amazing person who believed in me. Um, and I think also when I came to Australia, there was uh, there was a partner at at Cooper's who I worked with closely who who. He he kind of expected stuff from me, you know. He 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 thought I could achieve things, and he just expected me to. Um, so you know, to me that that was really inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, so fundamentally, I think it's people who, who who gave me confidence in myself, really. Sure. Okay. And um, obviously, Richard, you're sitting here now, a lot of experience, a lot of achievements. You've tapped into some of the challenges that you've had, but if you could. Um, have your 21-year-old self in front of you, what, what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, yeah, that's an that's a, that's a interesting question, isn't it? Mm. So is it, when you're asking that, are you asking uh, with the benefit of hindsight or more, not so much with the benefit of hindsight, but actually, you know, these are things that, y- you know, you you should bear in mind when you're 21 like general advice for yeah, 21 general, general advice yeah uh, obviously hindsight's a, a great thing but um just just general advice like imagine you're sitting opposite a 21 year old self you've you've got the the battle scars as it were yeah the, the experience yeah. and the the achievements you know what 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 would you uh yeah. what would you say to that younger richard <laughs> <laughs> just give up now <laughs> Um, I think probably the big thing I would encourage anyone to do is to embrace challenges. You know, if the if you have an opportunity that comes along, and I, you know, I would say this to my twenty one year old self, but I would probably say it to anyone really. Mm. Um, you know, life throws up opportunities at different points in time. It's not a it's not a linear thing. It doesn't. It, there's no there's no r- right rhyme or reason to how these opportunities come up, mm-hmm. but w- what you have to do is when those those opportunities come up, you do need to embrace them and be game enough to take them. I think sometimes people shirk those or they they sort of you know they kind of avoid them, um, and I think that's you know to me those opportunities they may be hard, they may be challenging, they may be risky, all those sorts of things, but. I think if you don't change, if you don't take those opportunities and you don't challenge yourself, then you never really stretch yourself. And that's the best thing you can do. So, you know, that's that's what I would say. Um, you know, just, just seize, the, seize the day sort of thing. Brilliant. Thank you, Richard. This is, um, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And um, like I said, it's a pleasure having you on the uh, the podcast. Just before we uh, we let you go, I know you've got a, uh, a critical meeting in a bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, just before we let you go, is there anyone that you would like to hear on the podcast? Um, maybe some of your mentors in the past or someone, some of your colleagues or um, customers or, yeah, is there any, anyone that you have in mind that you'd like to hear on the podcast? Yeah, um, I think... Uh, there's two people I can think of. Um, there's a guy called David Bostock, mm-hmm. who used to be a partner at IBM and at um, PwC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a he's a, a very wise um, wise man and a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now retired, but uh, you know, he I don't know if he I think he'd be willing to do this. Um, and also John Buckton. I don't know if you know John. I know John. Yeah, yeah. Enterprise Wide. Yeah. Enterprise Wide. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. His story is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, he he and I, um, 
uh, worked together at um, you know BBC Hardware, that difficult project in the okay. late 90s, and we also worked together at, at Harvey Norman and. Um, you know, again, he's a good friend of mine, but I think his story is really interesting. Another guy from the UK as well, right? Yeah, well, both are actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, brilliant. Well, yeah, we'll definitely reach out um, to them. But yeah, once again, Richard, that was brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on the uh, podcast. And, Thanks, uh, Jay. Pleasure. Yeah, see you soon.